uh, verses 25 to 230. Um, it's going to go up on the screen, I think. Dave's got the verses ready. And uh, let's just read it and then we can consider it. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Quite a famous passage. You might remember it from reading it many times. And it's um, as I was just considering this week what I felt the Lord wanted me to speak about. It was particularly saying that I know I needed, and he just provoked my heart with this verse which just came to my mind. And, um, and so that's why I want to share this. And... Um, you know, when we think about rest, we often think about resting uh, physically in order to recharge our natural resources that we can then go about and do some new things or carry on doing the things we do. But he's talking about spiritual rest. And God um, is a great God of rest, and he talks about resting physically as well. He says in Exodus 34, you don't have to go to this one, 21, you shall work six days, but on the seventh day you shall rest. We all need a day off. Um, the Lord thinks we only need one day off, not two days, but there you go. That's just what the Lord says. And, um, but this rest I want to talk about is not a physical rest, although that's a byproduct. It is a, it's about our state of being. It's our spiritual rest, and it, which leads to a rest in our soul. It's a rest, it's a peace, it's an ability to trust. It's, a, it's, that, it's that place where God can be most effective in us and through us when we're in that place of rest. And that's what I've really been trying to do a lot more um, practice, if you like, and discipline of stopping and just being at rest. Because otherwise the alternative is we get all caught up in the mind, as we heard earlier, when our mind takes over, it becomes all about us and what we can achieve. And that's right. But when we have the mind of Christ, it puts us in the position where we focus on what God is doing, not what we're doing. And so that's where I'm, I'm going at the moment, and I trust that the Lord will speak these things to you. But just to give you a bit of a sense of that beginning of that passage, just before that, he's been speaking um, and, and um, declaring over these cities. They wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't obey him. They wouldn't trust him. They wouldn't follow him. And he says to them about judgment. And then he says this. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. I was enjoying what Jim said when he talked about that we all are little children. And so whatever follows from this passage has to be simplicity at its most. If it's for little children and we need to count us, if you don't count yourself a child in Christ, then you've got the wrong end of the stick. The more mature we get in God, the more childlike we should become. That's what the Bible tells me. So 
Um, and this is so, this must mean that what God is calling us to has got to be simple, not complicated. And, um, and then he says something that's really complicated because he says, All things have been handed over to, be me, to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I thought, should I go into that? I thought, no, that's really complicated. I'm going to give that a little bit of a, um, uh, a skip. But I think, I think, you know, the thing about the childlike spirit is that we are learners, not experts. So we're talking about how do we learn to rest in God? How do we learn from God? How do we always take the position of a learner? And there's something, you know, I, I know a few people that, are, that know God a lot, more, <laughs> a lot better than I do. I'm sure we all know someone who seems to have some experience of God. But the thing that often stands out for me is their humility and their, and their learning spirit. As soon as you get someone who knows it all, it's a bit of a turn off for me. And there's something about this learning heart and um, this simple sense of trusting the Lord. And this, and this verse I just read, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I think that's really huge. Um, but um, in simple terms, the Son of God is so big only God can know him. That's my simple kind of, on that verse, because I don't want to go into that verse. Um, he is so big. Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. No one can fathom the depths. This is me speaking. That wasn't the verse. No one can fathom the depths of the Son of God. He is huge. He is deep. He is mysterious. He is not contained by the word, but he is never contradicting the word uh, that we have. He is the word, Logos. Um, that's a whole other thing when it comes into Hebrews chapter 4, where it says the word is powerful and effective, like a double-edged sword. Is that the one in Hebrews 4? I'm going off. That word is the Logos. You can go into that. I'm going off, off my uh, thing. John 17, 3. When we, when we think about this call, Jesus says, come to me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, is an invitation into intimacy and real, true relationship with this huge Son of God, Jesus Christ. I mean, he is, there is no end to him. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. There is no end to who he is. And he's inviting us into, not just so that we find peace and rest, but that we might come into him and know him in a deeper, more, more uh, powerful way of whatever word you want to use in that. And so when we read this verse, this is my point. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's in the knowledge of Jesus. It's got to be our, our goal, not my ministry or my... Everything, whatever else you can put in that, it's, he is the goal. He is our desire. He is our treasure. And um, amen? Amen, good. John 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you know Jesus? Or how well do you know Jesus? Is there a stirring or a desire in your heart for wanting to know Jesus all the more? 
I think that's what the Spirit does, isn't it? When the Spirit comes in, he stirs up a desire for the truth and to know Jesus. And, and that's a real test, I think, when you want to see where you're at in things. Where are your desires pointing you to? Are they flowing with a desire to want to know Jesus more, or is it a desire for something else? And I think that's a good sign for us to stop and think, where am I at in the Lord? Not to get condemned, but to refocus. Rest. The rest that I want to talk about this morning is not passivity, to be passive and inactive. It is an active rest. There is a difference. Everything that God wants to do in us flows out of a place of rest. Okay? So he says in here, Come to me all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is the labouring and the heavy laden? What are the burdens that we are carrying as he goes on? Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We get a bit later. That implies there's a work to be done, but he says, first of all, come and be at rest. What is he talking about? And There's three things I just felt to mention. The first thing is this. Well, the first thing is he's not talking to people who go to work every day. He's talking to everyone. Um, But the first thing is he's talking about salvation. This world is built on the demonic principle of works in order to get rest. It's a demonic principle. So everything in society says if you work hard enough, you will attain to something that will give you rest. Or to put it in a, in a basic kind of thing, and I'm not saying that this is wrong, we work hard, we pay our pension in order to retire, to, uh, to have a nice restful end of days before we, we die. Um, you look at the various um, ideologies of the pursuit of happiness, it really comes down to how much you work hard in order to attain that happiness. Um, You look at the world religions. If you fulfill these works, you will attain paradise. Or if your good works outweigh your bad works, if you're fortunate enough that that's the case, you will go to paradise. Or if you do this specific work, you go straight to paradise. Or if you reach enlightenment, you will enter paradise. Or um, by your work, you will find rest. That's the, you see that in all the religions. Even when people take Christianity and make it a religion, it becomes works-based. So you speak to people, Christianity is about how good you are and if you're good enough to get into heaven. That's why people say that they think they're going to heaven because they believe that they are good enough. And we know that the gospel is not about whether you're good enough. So you see this, and it is in the, um, you, it says in Ephesians 2, um, I'm, I'm just going to read, I didn't put this on the, uh, for you Dave, so I've missed these ones out, but Ephesians 2 tells us this, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, verse 1, in which you once walked following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. 
like the rest of mankind, the course of this world. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you can read the rest of that up to verse 10. It's a great summary of the gospel if you know that scripture. But um, our righteous acts, us righteous acts, I should have said, are like filthy rags, which is the clean version of Isaiah. See, Jesus, when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor um, and are heavy laden, he's first of all talking about works based salvation. He says, lay your burden of perfection down. Lay the burden of making yourself good down. Lay the burden of your sin down. Lay the burden of personal responsibility down. It's essentially what he's saying. All you who are labour and are heavy laden, lay it down because I want to give you rest. And he says, I will take the burden. This is where we get in the end of that passage. Take my Burden, and I will take yours. Your burden of sin, your burden of responsibility to change society or whatever change you want to bring, the burden of that change is not mine to carry. Don't know if that's a surprise to you. We'll get there a bit more in, in a minute. Ephesians, um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. Rest is something that we need to enter into. Where are we? It says, whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from him, from his. Whoever has entered God's rest has rested from his works as God did from his. When we enter God's rest, we have to lay down our works. We have to lay down our thought or any kind of sense that we have to do something in order to be right with God. There is nothing that we can do. Everything is as filthy rags. And this is what the first thing that he's calling us into. He's saying, listen, if you ever felt you failed as a Christian, you've had the wrong theology of salvation. Because everyone has failed as a Christian, which is why Jesus had to be successful in salvation. So when I feel like I've failed as a Christian, I have to remind myself when I take the words of John. Uh, one John, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can know that I can be right with God because he cleanses me from all sin and I can still go because it is not about what I've done, it's about what he's done. I believe in works-based salvation. It's just not my works, it's his works. Yeah? So he has done it. And so rest is not, the answer is not that I need to do better. The answer is that I need to rest better, for want of another word. So I want to build this picture that there is a pattern between our activity and our rest. When we focus on our activity, we will move out of rest and we will get into disappointment. When we focus on our rest, 
We will move in activity and God's resources will be revealed and be outpoured through us. That's where I'm going. So the first thing is this. We need to understand that salvation is by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone boast. That's Ephesians. Number two, he's talking about active, obedient faith. Hebrews chapter three, verse 16 to 19. Who are those who heard and yet rebelled? He's talking about in the times in the Old Testament when they wouldn't enter into Canaan because they were fearful and they didn't obey God and they didn't listen to those who had faith. Who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest but those who were disobedient. So we see they were unable to enter because of unbelief. People do not enter into rest because they do not believe that that is the safest and most effective place to be. So when these guys all turned up at Canaan, they didn't believe that the, the best place for them was in the obedience to the word of God going into war because they were not at rest. They hadn't entered into that place of, of rest which Canaan represented. And, and this is the thing. See, we, um, when we don't really believe God, we're not at rest. When we don't believe what God's promises are, what his word says and how that works for me, we then take the initiative and do something in the natural. So there's a direct link between faith and rest. You can't be at rest in a situation and be unbelieving. That makes sense? So he's talking about, come to me, all you heavy laden, I will give you rest. He's saying, come to me and relate to me in such a way that we are yoked together in order that where I go, you can trust me. I'm with you every step of the way. There's a direct link. See, every promise of God should receive in us an ex, a response which is expectant to receive what God has promised. Have you ever heard a promise from God and then something in you is like, yeah, but I don't know. I just, are you really going to sort this out for me, Lord? Are you really going to work in me? Are you really going to change me, Lord? You know, your word says this, but this, help my unbelief, Lord. We need to recognise there's a link between faith and rest. And it was characterised by these guys because they did not obey. They did not obey the word. See, on that issue that you're, maybe you're going through, rest in God. Trust he's able and willing to outwork his pleasure in that situation. Or for that person, rest in God for that person. In other words, if you're concerned about when, in, in, as Margaret reminded us about Kezia, um, you know, using that scenario, this side of the world is very little you can do but pray, but it's a big thing. But it's not prayer. If I can be intensive and if I can say many, many words, therefore God will do something. Actually, if I had the same mind I do now, and maybe I did then, I can't remember, but using it as a scenario, Lord, I'm going to rest in you over this situation because I don't want to get in the way. 
and I don't want to waste time. I'd rather sit and just put all my trust in you for that person. So you do it and you are glorified. That's all we could do, wouldn't it, when we got round your house and prayed that time and there was a sense that God had done it. We rest in God. See, rest becomes activity through obedience to the word. When, you know, when you're at rest in God and maybe you're sitting, the practical outworking of rest is stopping sometimes. Is that yours? Is it? That's what happens when you open Facebook in the meeting, Jim. <laughs> yes. Um, where was I? Um, okay, let's go back to this because I've lost my trail of thought. <laughs> but rest, the practical outworking of rest often means stop. It's like that old advert for beer, I can't remember what it was. Um, Grolsch, I think. It's like, stop. Anyone remember that? No? Yeah, Louisa does. <laughs> stop. Just stop. And just sit. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be at rest in the busyness of life. Of course you can. But sometimes it's like you just need to stop, take an account and say, right, what is God saying to me right now? Let's be at rest in this. See, obedience out of a position of rest releases the whole resources of heaven. Because when we're in rest, and maybe it comes in a position of prayer or quietness or just stopping and just folks say, Lord, what are you doing right now? I want to take myself out of the equation. I just want it to be about you. And the Lord says, I remember, what you, um, Pat, what you said that time when you were around someone's house and you were sitting there and the Lord said, now, and you acted, didn't you? That is when you're sitting in a situation thinking, what on earth can I do in this situation? And I don't know what your mindset was then, but I'm using, making up a scenario from it. You're sitting there and saying, Lord, I'm available. And he says, now, speak. And you do it. And the whole resource of heaven available because it's not me getting in the way, doing my thing, thinking and doing this and that. Actually, the most powerful thing that we have, I think, is availability to God. In whatever situation... And we can so often get in the way when we can easily simply stop and say, Lord, here I am. Always struck me, and maybe this is some, but it just came to mind. When Isaiah, in, those, in I think it's chapter six, isn't it, of Isaiah, when he's up in the throne room, and you know that great thing, he says, send me. God wasn't speaking to him. He overheard what God was saying. And he responded to what God was saying. He said, who shall I send? And he overheard God say that. In other words, God wasn't saying, Ruby, who shall I send? <laughs> well, a bit of pressure, Lord. But Isaiah heard it. And when we stop in that place of rest, we're resting from our works to try to bring about God's will. We're resting from our works to overcome certain things, or, but we're resting in the Lord See, I was thinking about this, Paul and Silas, they teach us that rest, um, they were at rest in that dungeon, black and blue, locked up in these stocks, beaten bodies, this external trouble all around them, but it wasn't on the internal. They were able to keep the trouble outside of their hearts. They were at rest. They were truly free. 
when Jesus was in the boat, it's a great picture, when Jesus is in the boat, the storm's raging and he's asleep. And then when he gets up, he just speaks, the storm goes away. See, it's when the external trouble gets on the internal, that's when we're really in trouble. And the great battle, I think, because we carry real practical burdens, and I find that the battle, again, referring to what Guy shared this morning, the battle is in the mind. And I'm battling with the mind, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to take my mind off of that onto you and find rest. And then when I'm in that place of rest, it's like everything comes to some kind of clarity. But everything militates against that. Here's another thought. The daily battle is not to find victory over our enemies, but to find rest in God where we witness Christ's victories over our enemies. So I'm not focused on, Lord, how am I going to... And see, I've, I've, I'm, I'm a great believer in prayer, and I want to go on to this a bit later, but there's a concern in my heart that prayer can really be intensive, natural emotion because we're pushing through. We need to lay hold of God. And, and I'm not saying that when God comes on a person, that can happen out the flow of rest. But sometimes we think that that's what it's like. Like there's the, the story of, the, of the, uh, the parable of the two people in the meeting and one's beating his breast and saying, you know, forgive me, Lord, I'm a sinner, I'm wretched. That comes out of, that might have seemed intensive in the moment, but it came out of a place of recognition. I'm not, but when we're just kind of really kind of trying to break through, when I find the greatest breakthrough is if I just sit and say, Lord, I'm here for you and I'm available. Prompt those things in my heart for me to just bring before you. Does God need us to shout at him? Does he need us to wake him up? Worries, questions, anxiety, the desire to sort it, solve it, all these things flood my mind and then I have to practice the laying of burdens onto the Lord. Rest. The Lord is saying, John, it's not for you to figure it out, it's not for you to work it out, it's not for you to do all these things, just do what I tell you to do. And when I hear the word of God from that place of rest, I know that whatever happens, it's because he's done it. The third thing I want to talk about from this passage, is, or what I believe he's talking about, is the activity of service. Come to me and I will give you rest. Then take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have a burden to carry, but first rest. Every good thing comes from God through us. In other words, there is no good thing that can or, um, originate from us. It has to come from the Lord because there is none good but God. So I'm not good, you're not good, but God is good and he brings it through us. John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, resting God is not inactivity. In the natural it may well be, but in the spirit it's not. You could be sitting 
And, um, and what I read next, which is, I'm a great believer in this, I've said this many times before, this is Henry Nguyen, when it comes to prayer, often we think, if I've prayed enough words, therefore I'll be effective. But it's not. The more we just sit in the presence of God, be available to him, whether you feel something or not, being available is the most powerful place of prayer. This is what Henry Nguyen says. The discipline of prayer is the intentional, concentrated and regular effort to make space for God. Prayer is being unbusy with God instead of being busy with other things. Prayer is primarily to do nothing useful or productive, talking naturally, in the presence of God. To not be useful is to remind myself that if anything important or fruitful happens through prayer, it is, it is God who achieves the result. So when I go into the day, I go with the conviction that God is the one who brings forth fruit in my work. I do not have to act as though I'm in control of things. I have to work hard. I have to do my task. I have to offer my best. But I can let go of the illusion of control and be detached from the result. At the end of the day, I can prayerfully say that if something good happened, God be praised. In other words, just to make clear some points there, do we have to go out and work hard? Yes. Do we have to do those tasks that we have been given through our employer, through the Lord? Yes. Do we have to offer our best? Yes. But he's talking about this illusion of control, that you, we may work hard, we may do our best, we may really give our all, but every result comes from the Lord. That's what he's saying. As soon as we start to think, because I worked hard, because I did this well, it's down to me that this is doing it. We are, have this illusion of control. And he's saying, do you know, I sit in the silence, in the solitude of prayer, and I listen and I meditate on the word of God. I spend my time getting out of the way that God may move. See, activity and service that recognise that it is God in us, working through us, and us making ourselves available to him. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus had this attitude. He, he saw that his greatest ministry had to be what the Father was saying and what the Father was doing through him. And here's some verses just to prove that. Truly, truly, I say to you, John 5, verse 19, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And in John 12, 49 to 50, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given him, has him who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And in John 14, 31, I do as the Father has commanded me. See, rest-driven service at the foundation, there's rest. The byproduct is service. We rest first, we work from rest. Let me remind you, the enemy is always wanting to turn that around. He's going to get you up in the morning. He's going to say, right, you've got to get out. You've got to work. You've got to do this. You've got a lot to do. And the Spirit's saying, just sit. Just sit. Give me 15 minutes of just attention and just sit. And everything in you is like, oh, I've got to get that done. I've got to get that. How am I going to do this? Where am I going to? That's the way that the world has 
created this environment for us. See, we often, we don't go wrong often because we're doing stuff. We go wrong often because we're not spending adequate time in God's presence. We don't appreciate that God has called us to rest, to sit, to be. He says, take my yoke upon you. Where is it? Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you. There's a joining with the Lord. There's a learning from him. As I said earlier, do you have a learning spirit? Are you childlike? As we've been encouraged this morning, um, God intends to teach us every step of the way. Maybe it is a now, go, do it. Whatever word. There's that old story from the conference where someone went to the conference. Lord, I don't know whether you're sending me to Africa. Do you remember that story? Lord, I really don't know. When someone in me just shouted out, Go! Lord, is that you? (laughs) Are you ready and willing to move as he prompts you? Are you willing to set aside time where you sit in his presence? Are you rest-orientated or are you work-orientated? See, we're called to do, but only out of a position of rest. And in fact, if you go back to Hebrews chapter 4, This is interesting language. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should have failed to reach it. And then um, jump over to verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Um, Fear that you don't enter in. Work hard to enter into rest. Essentially what he's saying. What does he mean? And I like the way that Spurgeon does it. He makes a good point. He says, let us labour not to labour, or let us work not to work. Our tendency is to try to do something in order to save ourselves. But we must beat that tendency down, look away from self to Christ. Labour to get away from your own labours. Labour to be clean rid of all self-reliance. Labour in your prayers never to depend upon your prayers. This is good, isn't it? I like Spurgeon, he's good. Labour in your repentance, never to rest upon your repentance. Labour in your faith, not to trust in your faith, but to trust alone to Jesus. He goes on, I remember an old countryman saying to me long ago, depend on it, my brother. If you or I get one inch above the ground, we get that inch too high. And I believe it is so. Flat on our faces before the cross of Christ is the place for us realising that we ourselves are nothing and that Jesus Christ is everything. You can't, in any picture of rest, face down on the floor is probably the best picture, isn't it? You know, literally lay it all down at the cross. Every time there's a burden laid on you, you lay it down at the cross. Every time there's a worry and an anxiety that comes upon you, you lay it down at the cross because that's the invitation that Jesus has given us. 
And we're listening out the, the yoke, the burden, the, it's light. We're listening out and the light burden, the law says, just go here, there and just give that guy a glass of water. We work hard to be at rest. Our energies are given to realising that of ourselves we can do nothing. But if we were just to stop and sit and be in his presence, however that practically works out for you, I suggest it work practically that you literally stop and do nothing. But that is not the only way you can do that. But you sit and you say, I'm here for you, Lord. And you may not think of anything is happening, but I tell you, it will revolutionise your life. I guarantee it. We've got these two great blessings, the Bible and prayer. I just want to finish off with this. See, I, I, love, I, I love prayer that is silent. In, and what I mean by that is it's not that I'm not praying, but prayer, which is about me coming, focusing on, on the Lord, in communion with him, and saying, I'm here. And I'm not saying that's easy. It's a discipline. And things, as I said earlier, things flowing out of that. I'm a great believer in wasting time with God, as Henry Nguyen puts it. And everything we believe should be found in the Bible. We meditate on the Word, not because it's informing us, but because it transforms us. It's the Word of God. Even as we sung earlier, meditating on His Word, which is based on the psalm, isn't it, Drew? Psalm 77. Meditate on your Word. Let the Word of God sink in. Let it transform our mind. And we are but leaky buckets finish on this profound statement. We are but leaky buckets. We sit under the great tap of Jesus Christ, filled up, and then everywhere we go, we leak everywhere. Nothing of me. We are but jars of clay. You could go to that scripture. That the excellency may not be of us, but is of him. Rest in God is not an optional extra. It is a promise to all who come to Jesus. It is a requirement. It is a fundamental part of what it means to be a Christian, is to be at rest in him because of what he has done. The difficulty, the battle, is with the mind and doing that practically. And I know that all too well, but it doesn't change the truth. So how do we go about doing this? Are we, first of all, as Peter says, cast all your care on him for he cares for you. Every time there's a care in the world, cast it on the Lord. And you say, Lord, it's yours. My kids are your responsibility, Lord. Absolutely fundamentally. And the best thing I can do for my kids, other than follow Jesus, is to spend time in silent prayer, listening and being available to God. And as he provokes me, I pray. And I say, I'm lifting my kids to you, Lord. I don't have to break through in prayer. I don't have to become, I don't have to cry for it to make any kind of power. I don't have, you know, I don't have to go and do something unless he tells me to do it. Amen. Are you casting care? Are you prioritizing rest above work? Are you giving time to be in capital letters with God right now? You know, thinking right now really is a, is a response. Maybe there's things you need to give it all up. Give it all up to the Lord. If um, the guys want to come back, we'll, we'll close here. There's that wonderful verse. Be still and know that I am God. It's okay to be repetitive about Scripture. Let it sink in. I want to I encourage us to respond 
if you know that you need to really understand rest, whether it's because you've been working for salvation or you've been working to make things happen, um, good things, you've been working and all of this, and you need to come right back and say, Lord, will you just root me in rest? I just want to, um, I'm, I'm standing to respond. I want to invite you to stand and respond. If you need God just to come and just root you back in rest, then let's stand and then we'll pray. And then we'll we're worship the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit just to minister that into our hearts. Lord, we come and stand before you. Those unable to stand and stand in their hearts, I'm sure. But Father, you know we need your help to come into rest. In all the various problems and troubles and difficulties that we face, Lord, I thank you that we can cast them onto your shoulders because that's what you've asked us to do. Lord, you've asked us to do that because you have the means and the power to do what you want to do in those situations. Lord, for those things that are close to our hearts, those things, Lord, worries and anxieties about the future, Lord, these things are all out of our hands. Even those things that we could do something about in the natural, Lord, we want to cast on your shoulders, Lord, and we want to receive from you the burden you've given us. Lord, we see the deal. Lord, we've got to walk with you. We've got to be yoked with you. Lord, I just want to ask, Lord, will you come now by your Holy Spirit and do that work in our hearts that gives us a revelation of the fundamental priority of being at rest in you over every other thing. Lord, may that be characterised or outworked in our daily life. Lord, it's rest in you that we are doing nothing so you can do everything. And Lord, we just want to hear your word. So will you also, Lord, give us ears to hear the command from heaven of what you want us to do in these situations. And until that point, Lord, we will let you get on and do it. Lord, we pray that for ourselves, for our families, for this church. Lord, for our work, our social lives. Lord, every part of our being. Lord, we ask that you may do that in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.